Hello and welcome to Seeds and Ways, a podcast. I'm the Reverend Dr. Cheryl A. Lindsay, Minister for Worship and Theology for the United Church of Christ. Today I'm sharing my reflection, Forgiveness, based on Matthew 18, 21 through 35, which reads, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, They were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my Heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart forgiveness. Perhaps there's no more controversial subject than forgiveness in and out of Christian circles. Who among us has not been confronted with a situation or countless ones where we were wronged or offended by another or did the wronging and offending? The controversy comes not as we struggle with the theoretical concept. Rather, forgiveness is a deeply personal, even in community, and practical issue we face routinely. Any relationship that lasts a long time involves people who have forgiven one another multiple times. Broken relationships cannot be mended without forgiveness for whatever caused the break, even when a superficial reconciliation takes place. Harboring unforgiveness within our hearts is corrosive and damaging for us and can long outlast the repercussion of the original offense. Forgiveness is hard work, is good for us, and we struggle with it. And here's Peter asking a question many of us can identify with. When is enough enough? He phrases it differently, but that is the question and the struggle. How many times do we have to forgive the same people for the same thing? Peter's question is both general and specific. He does not ask about a particular situation or person, although he may be thinking of one. So the inquiry is general. But he wants a number. Is seven a good aspirational number? In Hebrew, numbers have meaning beyond their numeric value. Seven is the number of completion. Surely, Peter cannot imagine having to forgive more than that. Shouldn't completion be enough? Jesus responds by giving him a number and a story. The number is a multiple of seven. Seventy-seven times, Jesus tells Peter. Whatever you think is enough, Jesus suggests, needs to be multiplied to an inconceivable 
amount of times. The story Jesus tells has numbers included as well to amplify the point. As Anna Case Winters notes, in that day, a talent was the largest unit of currency, and 10,000 was the largest number in the Greek language. The enslaved person in the story could not have owed a larger debt. His need for forgiveness could not have been greater. The one he seeks forgiveness from has no obligation to him. The king does not have to do anything, yet he responds from compassion after the slave pleads with him for patience and humbles himself by falling to his knees. This is a parable, a story designed to make a point. The point is not the story, and to get too preoccupied with the details misses the point. Jesus uses the most extreme examples of inequality in relationship to illustrate his response to Peter. It's not an endorsement of every action taken by either party. Rather, it's to demonstrate truths through the unfolding events. Peter and the rest of the audience listening to Jesus' answer would have understood the relational dynamics. They would have known that the request for mercy from the king was an act of desperation without much hope. Yet the king in this story is not moved by revenge or retribution, but by compassion. He witnesses the suffering of his servant and his heart is moved to forgiveness. That heart is like the heart of God. Unfortunately, the servant does not share it. When he immediately encounters someone who owes him a mere fraction of the debt, which he has just had forgiven, the servant's response is harsh and cruel. Other servants, presumably, who also had knowledge of his debt forgiveness, are appalled when they see him treat one of their own in a worse manner than the king treated him. While it's true that some find receiving forgiveness difficult, that's often because they've not forgiven themselves. For most, extending forgiveness proves more challenging than receiving it. Jesus illustrates that truth in this portion of the story. The hypocrisy in that reveals itself as the servant dismisses the exact same plea he uttered to the king when he holds an obligation to be paid to him. Forgiveness is tricky when we face the truth that we want it for ourselves, even when we willfully deny it to others. The king hears from the witnesses who waste no time in letting the king know that his merciful act was not replicated by the recipient of it. That arouses the king's anger seemingly more than the original offense. Quote, the emphasis on the practice of forgiveness continues with the parable of the unforgiving servant. The point is straightforward in establishing forgiveness as a communal norm. God's forgiveness requires disciples to forgive one another. But the parable sits uneasily here. Verses 21 through 22 exhort forgiveness, but the parable depicts its opposite with two examples of not forgiving. The king takes back the forgiveness he initially offered, and the forgiven slave refuses to forgive another slave. The parable warns that not forgiving means the loss of God's forgiveness. The discourse exhorts a network of community relationships and practices among disciples, marked by humble receptivity to the other, mutual support and active respect, accountability, relentless commitment to reconciliation, and repeated forgiveness. Such a communal life sustains and embodies vulnerable discipleship on the way to the cross. End quote, Warren Carter. 
Forgiveness does not only impact the two parties involved. The community is an interested party. Imagine how the other servants responded to the king's act of mercy. Some of them may have held debts too. They may have received courage to approach a king who demonstrated compassion in order to reconcile their obligations. It cannot be surprising that the servants' lack of mercy enraged them. They approached the king because the king showed himself to be approachable. They trusted him once they saw his heart. Forgiveness blessed the king, the servant, and the community. Unforgiveness, on the other hand, broke trust in the community and ultimately harmed the one who withheld mercy. It's important to note again that if we get too caught up in the details, we miss the point. The point is not that God will punish us for our unforgiveness like the king who has his servant abused until the debt is paid. He ends up tortured in a prison of his own making. Harboring unforgiveness is a destructive act that impacts the one who refuses to release the debt. What is forgiveness then if not releasing the debt and the debtor? It's not the same as reconciliation, which includes restoring the relationship. In the most ideal scenarios, forgiveness and reconciliation companion on the journey to restoration. That is the way of the incarnation of the cross and the empty tomb. That is the example and high bar that Jesus sets. At the same time, God meets us where we can be met. Forgiveness as just letting go is a good first step. We released and are released by it. Quote, Jesus didn't ignore ordinary human feelings. This gospel begins and ends with a God who enters our God-forsaken places. Jesus shows what our resentments look like from God's perspective. Yes, you were hurt, but by holding on to your bitterness, by allowing the resentments to fester like a colony, a streptococcal bacteria, your life has become sick. Jesus is saying, please, for my sake, for your sake, for the sake of the world, let it go. Let your offender go, just as I'm willing to let you go. End quote. Anna Case Winters. Thanks be to God for the release. Forgiveness. Join me for a three-part webinar series on reimagining ritual on Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the month of September. We begin with the conversation with Marsha McPhee, followed by two case studies. The first features the new hymnal project of the United Church of Canada, Then Let Us Sing, and the second is a look back at General Senate worship and the rituals we created for that gathering. You may register for the webinar series at ucc.org events or watch them later on the United Church of Christ YouTube channel. Thank you for joining me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find the full sermon seats entry, including a suggested congregational response, quotes for further reflection, voices of African descent, and the roadmap for the entire season on ucc.org. Sermon Seeds also has a Facebook page where I do a weekly Facebook Live process video in preparation for the reflection and share updates and links for Sermon Seeds and Worship Ways. Follow us there and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. I pray that this tool provides a seed that will bear fruit in your faith community as you proclaim the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God.